You are listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry, please visit EnduringWord.com. everybody, David Guzik here on a Monday afternoon, and it's sort of a special Monday afternoon for our YouTube Live question and answer. First of all, it'll be a little bit shorter. I've got to keep it to about a half hour today because there's some things I got to do. Secondly, uh, it's a holiday today, and so maybe, I don't know if our regular crowd will be able to join us or will be uh, forced to be shorter just because of that. But uh, I do want to say and just give a few remarks about the holiday that we have here today, at least in the United States. Uh, One of the things I love about our YouTube work here is that we have viewers and participants from a lot of different countries all over the world. Uh, But here in the United States, it's a day we call Memorial Day. I think uh, in other nations, perhaps it's called Remembrance Day. But it's a day when we commemorate uh, not just those who have fought in wars, soldiers and such, but we commemorate those who have died uh, in war. Uh, Again, not just those who have fought, that would be Veterans Day, but Memorial Day is specifically given to remember those who have laid down their lives. And I think it is a very good thing for a nation to remember those who have laid down their lives for the sake and the defense and the causes of that nation. We have to consider that for a soldier to die on the field of battle is actually a very unselfish way for a person to die. And it really shows something notable in the courage and in the character of that person to give up their life in such a way. Every soldier who comes into a war, they know, of course, that that risk is there And uh, for them to follow through and make a uh, sacrifice of their life is something notable. Now, we understand that not every war that every nation fights is just, is honorable in the sight of God. But usually that has very little to do, perhaps even nothing to do, with the common soldier who is there uh, either (coughs) with knowledge or perhaps not with knowledge, but just basically in support of and in defense of his community and of his country. As I said before, it's an honorable way to die. As Jesus himself had said, greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friends and for his nation. So it's good, I think, for us. I think it's good for us to be grateful for the sacrifices that other people make especially sacrifices that in some way or another benefit us. Memorial Day is a good thing, and I want to give a encouragement and a comfort to every um, wife, every husband, every father, every mother who's lost somebody in wartime. I think it is something uh, honorable and that you should be commended for such a sacrifice. So, With that aside, let me get to our lead question for the day, Uh, and that is simply a question that could be summarized with this, where is paradise? Um, And this was a question that came from Sally. Sally asks, hi, Pastor David. Uh, My question is, when Jesus was on the cross and the man on the other cross, the sinner, asked Jesus to remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Where is paradise? 
Is that another way of saying heaven or is it a completely other place? Well, Sally, I think that's a great question. Where is paradise and is it something different than heaven itself? This is the verse that you had in mind, Sally. It's Luke chapter 23, verse 43, where it says, And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus basically said, I'm going to paradise, and today you're going to be with me there. That was the thief who spoke to Jesus in faith and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, uh, not only I will remember, but you will be with me in paradise. So what is this paradise that Jesus promised he would be a part of? Well, I, I, I want to come to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, that simply says this, that Paul relates how he knew a man. Now, actually, Paul was speaking of himself. He's just doing it in a very humble way. He relates about a man who was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which was not lawful for a man to utter. In the context there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there's really no doubt that Paul thought paradise was heaven. And then again, I think we gain the same from what Jesus said to one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. He says here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Again, the idea of that tree of life is in heaven. So really, those are the only three places in the Bible, in the New Testament, where it gives that word paradise. And in the second two uses, Second uh, Corinthians and Revelation, it's clearly speaking about heaven. So, Sally, we really don't have a problem associating paradise that Jesus spoke with, with the believing thief on the cross with that as well to be heaven. Um, most people think that paradise is a Persian word that was brought into the Greek language of Bible times. And the word basically means a garden, but it's not like a garden that we might have at one of our houses. I mean, I look outside my window right here and I can see in our back garden an avocado tree and a fig tree and some grass and some other things growing. Uh, it's not talking about that kind of garden. It's really talking about what we might call a royal garden, a king's garden, something very beautiful, very pleasant, very ornate. And uh, that's kind of the idea here from this Persian word that we translate paradise. Now, people ask, well, where is paradise? Is it enough to say just that it's in heaven? Well, where's heaven? Most likely, I would say heaven is probably not found uh, in a distance from earth. For example, if you went a certain number of light years away, you could reach heaven. Uh, heaven is probably found in another dimension to what we dwell in right now. I believe heaven is not far away at all. It's just of a different dimension. And so it's not like we can travel there. Um, the, the very first Soviet cosmonauts who orbited the Earth, uh, they loved, because they represented the Soviet Union, that atheistic state, they loved to assure everybody, hey, we've been up here and there's no heaven up here. There's no God up here. Listen, they didn't really disprove anything because we don't believe that heaven is you know behind the moon or behind the planet Jupiter? No, nothing crazy like that. 
heaven is simply of a different dimension. That's the most likely explanation. And in that regard, heaven's not far away at all. Heaven, uh, in some ways, touches earth in that other dimension kind of thing. So that's the best explanation I can give for you, Sally. Let me move on to some of the questions that come up in the chat window. And again, I just want to say thank you to everybody for joining me today. There is another notice that I have to give here. This is going to be the last Monday question and answer program that I do here. We started these, uh, especially during the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And even though it's still out there, things are loosening up a lot and many people are going back to work and more of regular life is resuming. Uh, so basically for the past, what, maybe three months, uh, I've been doing this Monday question and answer as well. Now I'm going to continue to do the question and answer program, but only on Thursdays. And we're going to bring it back to a once a week kind of thing that we do. I certainly enjoy doing them. Uh, but it's going to work out good for my schedule to get back to the once a week kind of thing. All right, let me go back to uh, our chat window. Sharon, hello to you as well. Jose, are there different types of faith in the Bible? I've heard someone talk about there's a saving faith and a different faith to accomplish spiritual things. Your thoughts, please. Jose, um, no, there really aren't different kinds of faith. But faith is described in different ways in the Bible. You know, the Bible talks about great faith and it talks about small faith. Uh, and so in different ways, it can talk about faith, strong faith, weak faith. Uh, so in those ways, but it's really not talking about different kinds of faith, just different qualities of the faith we have. I would say understanding faith is actually pretty simple. Faith is just simply trust. It is trusting God. And when we truly trust God, we have faith. It's really that simple. Again, we have a tendency sometimes to overcomplicate things in the Bible, and I don't think we should do that. We should just be willing to say, okay, faith is trusting God. It's trusting that what God says it's true. Uh, so when God says it in his word, it's true, and we can uh, trust his promises, his statements in the Bible. Uh, faith is also very much so a belief that God's character is trustworthy. And so really, that's all faith is. It's just trusting God. And actually, in that regard, faith is a very intelligent thing to do. Um, listen, God has proven it again and again. God can be trusted. And so, um, yeah, that's the answer I would give to that, Jose. Thank you for that question. Uh, Karina says, blessings to you in your ministry. What could you tell us about ghosts, haunted houses, and paranormal phenomenon? Thank you. Okay. Well, Karina, I would say this, again, about ghosts, haunted houses, and paranormal phenomena. I would say this, that so much of what is claimed regarding ghosts or haunted houses or other paranormal activity, as it's called, so much of it is simply fake. It's a lie. It's a scam. It's a cheat. It's a way to get people focused on something that is false and made up, and it's a trick. To whatever extent those things are true, they are of the evil one and not of God. Um, the ghost isn't of God. God isn't going to send messages through ghosts. Um, I know somebody wants to bring up 
Samuel visiting Saul with the witch of Endor. That's another thing. I think we spoke about that a few weeks ago. So I'm going to leave that one aside. God doesn't speak through ghosts. Haunted houses are either false or they are um, uh, demonic in their origin. Whatever reality there is to those things is not from God. It's from the powers of darkness. So I would say usually there's a great deal of falseness to all those things, but to whatever extent it is true, uh, it's from the evil one. We have to remember that just because something is genuinely spiritual, it does not mean that it's from God. There are many people who have an encounter with something that is genuinely spiritual, and they are so overwhelmed by the discovery that it's true that they don't step back to carefully ask, is it from God? So th something can be true spiritually. Uh, it, when I say true, I mean more in the sense of being real spiritual. It can be real, uh, but not of God. So that, that's the best answer I could give for that, Karina. Okay, uh, Andre, uh, Andrea or Andrea asks, Thank you for introducing me to the wonderful works of Chuck Smith and Charles Spurgeon. I listen to the recorded sermons and studies along with yours regularly. Blessings from Israel. Well, Andrea, I am so pleased. Um, if I can introduce people to uh, Pastor Chuck Smith and Charles Spurgeon and get them to receive more of their wonderful Bible teaching and preaching, uh, that's a blessing indeed. Uh, Sharon says, my oldest son is retired from the Marines. Well, thank him for his service. And it may very well be that he has friends, uh, that he has people that he knows who have laid down their lives in battle uh, or in serving the armed forces. And uh, they deserve our gratitude and our honor. Thank you for sharing that, Sharon. Texas says, Texas Lioness, is there a scripture that references whether animals will be in heaven if so, I hope there will be no mice. Okay, Texas, uh, we get this question from time to time. So let me just give you a very quick answer. Uh, number one, the animal that is mentioned in connection with heaven is horses. The Bible says that Jesus and his people come from heaven on horses at the glorious return of Jesus Christ, as it's described in Revelation chapter 19. So there's some kind of horses in heaven. Okay, so there's that. Uh, as for other animals, the best answer is one that the writer C.S. Lewis gave in one of his writings. C.S. Lewis said that if you need your dog or cat or hamster, if you need that pet with you in heaven, for it to be heaven for you, then uh, that pet will be there with you in heaven. Now, um, it's also true, though, that it's most likely that the surpassing glory, not only of heaven, but of this immediate vital presence of God itself, that'll be such an overwhelming transcendent experience that as hard as it is to believe, we won't really miss our pets if they're not there. So that, that's the best answer I could give to that question, Texas. Uh, Zachary says, and I no mention of mice in heaven at all. We're grateful for that. Okay, Zachary says, among some other very strange opinions, my friend has come to believe that the Apostle Paul was a phony 
and that his writings are not to be considered scripture. In fact, he thinks this about most of the New Testament. Anything he believes contradicts Torah law. He claims that Paul is not an actual apostle and that he never preached about repentance, hoping you can shed some light on this. Well, that's certainly not true. Uh, If you just do a word search for repent or repentance in the book of Acts, you'll see that Paul preached repentance. Uh, Not only that, but the same idea is also found in his letters. So it seems very strange to me that uh, somebody would try to argue that the Apostle Paul didn't preach repentance. Um, But secondly, you know, Zachary, there's always been people who want to pick and choose what they want to take from the Bible and what they don't want to take from the Bible. Well, I'll take this. You know, there was early church heretics who said, uh, throw out the whole Old Testament. We got nothing to do with the Old Testament. That's an evil God who just likes to destroy people. We just want to take the God of the New Testament. And then there's other people say, well, we don't want the book of James or we don't want this. Anyway, there have always been people who want to play pick and choose with the Bible. And basically what they're doing is they're setting themselves up as an authority over the Bible. I don't want the Bible to judge me. I will judge it. And anything I don't like in the Bible will just say it doesn't belong there. I think that that's a very dishonest way to deal with the Bible. And there is no legitimate reason, given what we have in the book of Acts, to deny Paul proper um, apostleship. Um, And I don't know what your friend Zachary means about Torah law, um, because the the Bible very specifically uh, says that Jesus Christ is a revelation that's greater than the law and the prophets. Um, In the listing of the books that your friend rejects, it seems that he accepts the Gospel of John. I didn't see that being listed as something he rejects. Well, just read the first chapter of the Gospel of John and see how Jesus brings something greater than the law, greater than Moses brought. And so we need to listen to Jesus and let that be the thing around which the person in his teaching and his person and work around which we build our theology. So Zachary, I would just say that, that um, it's unfortunate that your friend feels like he wants to play pick and choose with the Bible. I'll take what I like. I throw out what I don't. But really, he has no biblical or spiritual reason or warrant for doing that. Um, You should pray for him and uh, pray that God would break through that veil that's over his eyes. Cynthia says, thank you for your ministries. Well, Cynthia, you're very welcome. I'm very pleased to be able to do what I do for God's kingdom. Um, Jimmy Joe says, hi, Pastor David. When God cast down the angels from heaven, why did he put others in prison and lock them up while others were left free? Are the ones locked up for future prophecies more wicked? Okay, Jimmy Joe, let me tell you. I'm going to give you the most straightforward answer I can give you from the scriptures, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts uh, beyond that. Uh, The Bible does say that there are certain um, demonic spirits that are locked up until the day of judgment. I think it's first or second Peter that describes that. Um, So there are some who have been, you know, taken out of action, so to speak. They are prisoners of war 
in this battle between God and uh, everything that would oppose him. Uh, so simply to say, you're, you're right on saying that the Bible says that some uh, angels are locked up, so to speak. As for um, why God did that, we don't really know. Now, I'll give you my opinion on this. I'm going a little bit beyond what the scripture says, so you can feel free to take this or leave this. But I believe that these angels who sinned and that God imprisoned were somehow connected with the great corruption of humanity during the days leading up to the flood in the days of Noah. And I believe it was because of that great corruption that God sort of disqualified these uh, demonic spirits, put them in the penalty box until the very end when they will face judgment. That's my thinking as to why those angels are there. But I just have to admit that the Bible doesn't specifically say that. But as I would draw together a few different passages of Scripture, that seems to make sense to me. So that's the best answer I can give you, Jimmy. We don't know exactly why some demonic spirits are free to do their work and other ones are imprisoned. But it seems to me that it would be logical that the imprisoned ones would have something to do with um, the corruption in the days of Noah. Okay. Um, Jimmy Joe adds on to that and says, if they're more corrupt than Satan, then why is their leader not locked up with them? Since he's messed well, because these angels sinned in a very particular way, according to my thinking. Uh, again, that uh, corruption of the human race connected with uh, the days of Noah. All right, just a few more um, questions here to get to. We will have a shorter session today. Uh, Sharon says, reading your Bible commentaries has greatly opened up the Bible to me. I so appreciate your mention. Well, thank you, Sharon. I appreciate that. I, Again, as I said before, I feel so privileged to do what I do in being able to teach the Bible both through writing uh, and through um, uh, these videos and then live teaching, of course, preaching and teaching, of course. Um, Susan says some people treat the Bible like a buffet, not the feast it is. Yes, they want to pick and choose and not enjoy the entire feast. It's very important for us to be committed to what the Bible calls the whole counsel of God. And then finally, uh, for uh, the last question that I'll take here today in this abbreviated holiday session of our question and answer comes from Jose. And it says, uh, what are your thoughts on the YouTube channel Service Christi? Um, I have seen a few videos from this fellow uh, who calls himself, that's not his actual name, Service Christi. And he seems to me uh, to be a man that probably should be regarded as as hypercritical uh, in the sense that certainly he says some things that are true. Anybody who's criticizing somebody else and trying to do it from a biblical perspective, uh, they're going to be correct in some of their assessments. But it's very important that it not only uh, that we bring correction, but that we do it in a way that honors God. And that has something to do with tone. It doesn't have everything to do with the tone in which we do it. But um, I have not received edification from that man, Service Christie. I can't speak of what anybody else has. 
And I believe that uh, some of his judgments of people that I know a little bit about them and their ministry, I think have been way off the mark. Uh, So if I know he's off the mark about some of the people that I know, uh, it leads me to believe that I can't have a lot of confidence in um, the people that he mentions that I don't know much about. Uh, he, He seems really like, wanting to play the gotcha on people. Um, And that's a dangerous thing um, because it's easy to take an isolated statement, two isolated statements, and pull out a gotcha instead of being more honest and taking a look at uh, a comprehensive look at somebody's work or with uh, out allowing for the possibility that somebody just may be confused in what they say from time to time. Certainly everybody's like that. Uh, so anyway, that that's my opinion of that. And uh, well, I'm going to leave it for there. Andrea, I see you asked one more question there, but I'll leave it for another time. Uh, as I said, I was going to have to make this one briefer anyway because of an engagement that I have to go to. And as I said before, this will be the last Monday afternoon uh, question and answer session but I will see you all again this coming Thursday and we will continue with our weekly Thursday question and answer sessions. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your prayers, your support. It's a wonderful thing uh, to see what God is doing in the ministry. Uh, It's remarkable to see the reach God is giving us. And we just pray that that continues with his blessing upon it. So God bless you. And thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry and how to grow in your relationship with Jesus, please visit EnduringWord.com.